Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt podcast. Thank you all for joining us here again on the Nerds from the Crypt podcast, the podcast where we review your favorite horror movies, series, books, and comics, as well as interview creators about their upcoming horror projects. I'm your host, Saul. And I'm David. And today we welcome back another friend of the show, Mr. Ambrose Stoliker. How are you doing today, Ambrose? I'm good. It's great to talk to you guys again. Oh, it's great to hear that you are having um, something new coming out. So, yeah, um, April 9th. Yeah, new book. Come right around the corner. And we'll um, we'll go ahead and, and open up on that a little bit more. I just wanted to catch up with you, see how you're doing. Um, how have you been since the last time we talked to you? I've been great. You know, I've been busy working. Uh, I have a day job uh, in the technology sector here in the Seattle area. Uh, but, you know, I've been writing pretty much every day working on a new book. Um, I feel like I'm never going to finish the second draft of this book and it's going to kill me. But, you know, that's part of being a writer. But that's what I've been up to. Is this awesome. also another horror novella? Well, it's a horror novel. It's a, it's a full-length uh, novel, and uh, I finished the first draft um, a couple of years ago, and um, since then, I've been working on other things, and so I started working on another, like the second draft about a year ago, and I'm about three-quarters of the way in, and I'm just having a tough time ending the book the right way, uh, and the ending is the most important part, so you got to get it right. you got to stick the landing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so what have you um, been up to as far as, um, and we're briefly talking about about us and uh, we, we all want to go watch it. We haven't been able to watch it, but have you um, watched anything else? Any uh, Anything upcoming that you're looking forward to, to watching? Uh, in terms of horror movies or shows, uh, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, I mean, there's been a real <laughs> renaissance. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, there's Jordan Peele, both his movie um, – us and uh his twilight zone reboot which i think looks fantastic Starts on monday yeah and uh i just saw that Gamble del toro has a new um uh serialized uh, show coming out which looks great um i'm of course looking forward to seeing the remake of um pet cemetery uh it's one of my favorite stephen king books even though i really really enjoyed the original movie back in the i think it was the early, late 80s came out um but uh, I'm curious what that will be like. And um, I've got a couple of things that I'm uh, looking forward to reading too. Um, I haven't read The Outsider by Stephen King yet. That's his, uh, I think his one of his later latest novels. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much what I got on my radar right now. I'm like a hundred pages from being done with The Outsider right now. It's phenomenal. Oh, okay, good, good. Cause I read that and I was like, it sounds really awesome. Yeah, it's super twisted. Like the first little bit kind of drags, and as soon as it picks up, it like doesn't stop. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to reading it. You know, another book I read um, that was one of the best horror books I've ever read in my life, and if you guys haven't read it, I highly recommend it. Is um, "Song of Kali" by um, Dan Simmons. That is a terrific book. It was written in the, I think, in the mid '80s, and it takes place in Calcutta, and uh, you really feel like you're there in Calcutta with the characters. It's it's a truly horrifying book. Pretty quick read, too. Well, I got to say, uh, David and I and, and Greg, who wasn't able to join us today, uh, we, we, we love your stories because they're really quick. Um, you, you, I don't know what it is about them. And not that they're not that they're they're short or not that they're long or anything like that. It's just it feels so natural just to go from from 
one section to the next section and you just keep going and it, just, it has a good flow. Oh, good. Good. I'm anxious to hear what you guys thought of the death shoot. <laughs> yeah. And um, well, that's what we're here to talk about today. Uh, we said April 9th is when uh, death, the death shoot comes out. Correct. So I'm working with the same publisher who did, who published my novella uh, old hollow um, uh, about a year and a half or two years ago. And uh, it's uh, Aurelia Leo and I'm um, working with a great uh, woman there uh, named Olivia Raymond. She um, has been uh, really supportive and really open to my work. And, um, you know, uh, with this with this book, with the death shoot, it was actually one of the first horror stories I wrote many years ago um, when I kind of transitioned into writing horror full time. And um, it took a long time to get it published. And I always thought this is a great story and it's getting turned down a lot. It must have been rejected about 100 times before um, uh, Aurelia Leo agreed to publish it. Um, so, you know, I pitched it to her not too long after uh, Old Hollow was published and she read it and she said, I love it and uh, let's do it. So, you know, it's the second project with Aurelia Leo and, and Olivia and it, she's been great to work with. Yeah, uh, well, if for those of you who are are tuning in, if you have not listened to the to the episode, uh, we did review and interview uh, Ambrose for Old Hollow. How long ago was that ago? It wasn't that too long ago. I think it was about a year ago. Something, something like yeah. about a year ago. Yeah, it was. It was when David was just starting to um, to join the podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it was one of the first episodes I was on. He was still known as the the, the intern at that time. <laughs> but yeah guys uh go go back and listen to that episode uh you guys will enjoy old hollow as as well as i i believe and david believes um you'll enjoy the death shoot uh so let's let's um talk a little bit more about the death shoot can you tell the, our readers what the death shoot is about yeah so the death shoot is a uh it's a mo it takes place in the modern day uh and it's uh, about a, a reality tv uh producer who um his, his career is kind of on the rocks uh after a couple of his television uh projects have bombed and right around the same time his mother becomes she's very sick she's you know elderly and has uh the beginnings of dementia and so he returns from Hollywood to his native uh, Vermont and puts her uh, in a um, in a rest home, and it's kind of this new posh rest home. Uh, and um, what he finds out is that it used to be a tuberculosis sanatorium, and that a lot of you know, as happened back then before antibiotics, a lot of people died from tuberculosis. Uh, and so a lot of people died in this, uh, in this hospital. And so it's haunted. Uh, so yeah, that's basically what it's about. It's kind of a good old fashioned haunted house story takes place in a, in a TB sanatorium, something that I'd wanted to write about for a long time. Cause I've always been kind of fascinated with that the way they treated TB, uh, before antibiotics it was really interesting time in, in medicine. The, the uh, sanatorium, is that based on something that you've heard about or is it based on something um, like a true story, anything like that? Well, the story that I wrote is not based on any kind of true story. Um, but, you know, there, it, 
there were hundreds of sanatoriums all over the world. And usually they were in places that were um, either kind of an alpine environment where the air was quite cold and quite clear, or uh, they were in kind of, you know, desert areas uh, where the air was hot and dry. And that was because uh, that type of air made it easier for people with TB to breathe and to recover uh, from their illness. Um, so, you know, it was just something that I, it, you know, it was this kind of interesting time in medicine when doctors weren't armed with anything that could really effectively combat uh, this disease. Um, and, you know, a lot of people went into these places and didn't come out. And so that to me has always been kind of an, an interesting uh, way to segue into a haunted house story. And one thing that struck me really interesting about this book is that you chose to have it set in Vermont. Um, and I recently had a coworker join our team who grew up in her whole life in Vermont. And so I was really curious, sort of like, did you hear about Vermont or what was the reason behind picking um, Glastonbury uh, to have a sanatorium there in Vermont? Yeah, so I grew up on the East Coast and in Connecticut, about half an hour from New York City. And um, when we were, uh, when I was little, when I was a kid, uh, we used to drive up through Vermont into Quebec because we had French Canadian friends that owned a dairy farm uh, in uh, Quebec. And, you know, to get there, you had to go through Vermont, New Hampshire. And so I had really kind of vivid memories of what it was like to drive through Vermont. It was really beautiful and bucolic. And, um, you know, in the mountains there, it's very alpine. And I just thought, you know, it would be an interesting place to put a sanatorium and to tell a story because it's a little secluded and, you know, New England is an older part of the country. So all the kind of elements that one often finds in ghost stories. There was, um, there's a few like ghost town, ghost mystery stories, legends like based out of Glastonbury mountains. Um, had you heard about those before? Or is that just coincidental? Uh, it must be coincidental because I'm, I'm not familiar with, with that. Well, you know, there's one element of um, the uh, of of Glastonbury Sanatorium that is true. So it's based on when I was doing research for the book. Um, I, you know, I used to be a newspaper reporter, so doing research is something that I enjoy and um, comes very naturally to me. And so I was kind of looking for, you know. I say in the afterword in the book that the the sanatorium itself is is kind of a major character in the book, and that's I think true mm -hmm. in a lot of haunted house stories where the structure that is haunted is is a character. But I was looking for a uh, like a good stand-in for the um, for the sanatorium, and I found one that it almost it was it was really weird. It was like deja vu. I was looking on Google for pictures of old sanatoriums, and I found one in Sweden that uh, it looked exactly like the one I had been picturing. And so I basically just, you know, picked that sanatorium up from Sweden and dropped <laughs> it into the middle of the Green Mountains in Vermont. Um, <laughs> and I do know that there, I, I can't remember which sanatorium it was, but there, there really was a tunnel uh, under one of these, oh, I think it was an American sanatorium where they would, um, they used it just as we do, they do in the death shoot to um, to remove bodies uh, in a way that would uh, minimize the chance of the infection spreading by people coming into contact with 
with dead bodies that had been infected by the disease. Uh, so that was definitely something that I stole from history. And it just, you know, it's like this really cool macabre element for the TV sanatorium that I just thought brought home how horrific these places could be uh, if you happen to be unlucky enough to get infected. That was one of the things that we noticed is that you're really detail oriented when it comes to like, like bringing back, uh, bringing up the past. And I guess it comes, I guess it comes to from what you're saying that you used to uh, write in the, in the paper because the, the portions that are in the book that are like newspaper clippings and, and so forth, it sounds like an actual newspaper clippings. I think at times we'll read something in a, in a book that, and it kind of seems just like forced. It means I haven't lost my writing, my newspaper writing. Uh, it's been a long time since I was a reporter. I was a reporter for about 14 years and um, left journalism quite a while ago. But uh, yeah, you know, it, when you've written, you know, thousands of news stories over a long career, that stuff comes naturally to you. And it, it's actually fun to do it. Um, I've done it in other stories that I've written too. Um I wonder what will happen when and nobody reads newspapers anymore. <laughs> you have to write in, in um, blurbs. Yeah, in uh, 140-character uh, thoughts. Yeah. Um, when you were a journalist, did you ever report on uh, um, reality TV? Because that's also another character that like is very present in Death Shoot. No, I didn't. Um, you know, for the 14 years I was a reporter, the first two or three, I was like a a small town, like political and cop shop reporter. So I covered a lot of stuff, uh, mostly cops and, and fire. Um, and then when I moved out to Seattle, I worked uh, as a business journalist covering technology for a good long time. And then I did a little bit of sports business reporting as well. Um, Cause I'm a huge sports fan, but um, you know, I, I just kind of made that stuff up about Hollywood and, reality TV and you know there's a lot of my own opinions about reality TV in there you know if, if you listen to the character to Jake he doesn't have a very high opinion of what he's devoted his life to um, you know most of it he thinks is just kind of sanitized crap um, so yeah but that's just you know I made that up yeah David was like I wonder where he got the ideas for these shows and I'm like it's reality TV show. It's on 24 seven. They, they have a TV show about everything. Yeah. My wife is a big reality TV fan. So, you know, uh, in a way I was kind of making fun of her too. <laughs> when I read walking with the mailman, I was like, that's so funny. That sounds like such a dumb show, but so funny. Yeah. I was trying to talk. I was trying to make a statement about some of the stupidity that we see on television today uh, that, that passes for entertainment. <laughs> But that's well, David. Yeah, but then there's a show called Parking Wars uh, on A and E that comes out, and I go, and I've actually seen like an episode or two. And I go, it's so dumb, but it's like, oh, you 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 can actually accidentally get caught in it. I'm like, why am I watching this? Yeah, you know, I, I have to. I'm coming off like a total hypocrite here because one of my favorite shows <laughs> is um, Bar Rescue with John Taffer. <laughs> Like I will watch that like for hours on end. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and, and um, I go, yeah. There's there's a show about everything out there right now. There is. I'm sure there's many more that we don't even know about. What were some of the uh, some other uh, things that that uh, may have influenced this, or or have we just already talked about pretty much everything um, 
going into the story? You know, I mean, I just wanted to tell a ghost, like a really good ghost story. And I wanted to tell one um, about a guy who kind of, you know, he's 44, but he he kind of has trouble facing up to responsibility. You know, um, he he's really trying to get his mom into this place and get back to Hollywood so he can save his career. His mother is not like his primary priority here. He, he loves her, you know, and, and he's good to her. Uh, he spends a lot of money to make sure she's taken care of, but you know, he's kind of got one foot in Hollywood and the other foot in, in Vermont. And he's got his agent calling him and telling him, Hey, you got to get back out here and pound the pavement, you know, resurrect your career. Um, so, you know, there was kind of a tension there with the, the, the protagonist that I enjoyed writing because I felt like he kind of changed over time and became more empathetic um, to what had happened at the, at the sanatorium. And, uh, and you know, that it, it just, it made, I thought it, it, it showed that he matured over time, how he, he, uh, he handled that situation. And well, there's a part, and I, I won't give, I won't give anything like uh, away here, but there is a part where he, he realizes there's a possible show, uh, TV show, um, and what he's, what he's going through. And he even stops himself. He's like, wait, I'm, I'm, my mother's going through this and I'm thinking about how to further my career. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of like, I mean, that's kind of real life, you know, um, we're not all always at our best and we don't always make great decisions and we make mistakes that we wish we could take back. And, you know, um, it, life is not a straight line. And especially with Jake, um, he struggles to make the right decision and to, to do the, to, to do something that is not selfish. But I think he does in the end, he, he makes the right call. Did you, when writing Jake, did you identify it all with him as a character? I mean, I know we talked about different elements of him as reporting or whatnot of producing. Well, yeah, I did. Um, I, you know, I wrote the the book when I was in my mid thirties. I'm 45 now, and uh, the book is about nine or ten years old. Or the story, um, and I do believe that as a writer, you, you can't help but have elements of yourself in there. And you know, when I was 34, um, it was just a couple of years before I got married and started to settle down, and probably I wasn't the most responsible and mature guy at that time of my life. And so, yeah, you know, I think like in a way, maybe I was trying to work through like, you know, what am I going to do with my life? What am I going to grow up? That kind of thing. And that's, that's something that I think Jake goes through. I'm glad I didn't wait till I was 44 to, you know, to change the way I looked at uh, the world. But, um, you know, I do, I do think there's some of me in him. Yeah. One thing we were talking about uh, that's kind of a little bit different than old hollow is that I feel like this book has a bit more, like lighthearted humor mixed in with the ghost story. And I was wondering if that was intentional or did it just kind of come out that there was a lot of like sarcasm jokes that sort of went with this um, incredible ghost story. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely me coming out in, uh, in Jake and uh, in, in his, um, his, um, you know, partner in crime, Diane, um, you know, uh, they're both kind of sarcastic people and, um, and, you know, they're both, um, you know, witty, I think. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of a sarcastic guy. So, uh, you know, uh, there's some of me in there uh, in both of those characters. 
Um, but, you know, it was fun to write. It, you know, I think that uh, if what I'm hearing uh, is true, uh, it, it, it was as fun to read as it was fun to write. And that, that's great. You know, um, I feel like the, the books that I, or the stories that I've considered the most successful are the ones that were not easy to write, but just kind of flowed naturally. Um, so yeah, I think it, it was, it was, a, it was a lot of fun to write. No, you guys definitely, yeah, it's I very mean, natural uh read it, it, you can go like i said you, you can read through it and don't get caught up in on a word or uh, usually what, I, what happens to me is that if um if i don't get into the story within the first couple of pages i, I can't finish reading it and i'll try a couple times <laughs> yeah i'll try a couple <laughs> times and i can't get into it but no um your, your b both stories that 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 you sent over to us for us to to look at uh real easy to read um you don't get like I said, even with even with Old Hollow being said in in uh, in during the Civil War, it wasn't something that really you had to like really wait. What's going on here? It was very easy to read. Very, um, the it flowed real real easy, and it just went by pretty quick. Uh, and I didn't realize that you go through those as many pages as you do in such a short time. Yeah. Um you know, I, years ago, uh, when I wrote my first book, uh, it never got published. Um, and um, I had like an editing service uh, uh, read through it and, you know, give me feedback on it. I was a really young writer at the time. And I remember one of the editors saying, you know, your prose is really almost invisible in some ways. And that to me was a compliment because much like being a reporter, you know, I, I try to kind of stay out of the story. You know, I'm there to tell a story to the reader. And, you know, unless you're like a master writer like Elmore Leonard or um, Truman Capote, who just they have like a natural gift for language. Um, when you try to get too flowery, uh, your writing starts to read like writing and it can knock the reader out of the story. You know, um, and I just try to avoid that. I can always tell, you know, when I've written something and I go back and read it the next day and I'll be like, oh, man, I thought that was great when I wrote it yesterday. And Jesus, it sucks. Like, it sounds like me trying to show off my writing chops. And that to me is like a cardinal sin. Uh, you don't want to knock the reader out of the story. Uh, we talked earlier about about some Stephen King stories. And one thing. That as much as I love reading Stephen King, there is one thing that that kind of um, was it makes me cringe is sometimes how he uses some um, some um, I guess sayings of the time when he wrote it, and then when you go back and read it later on, it doesn't make sense or is like why did he say that? Is it's just because it, it's like one of those in things that was around that time to the point where when they make a re, uh, either a remake or a a adaptation of, of the of the book or whatever and they say it and like yep that's one of his lines that came right out of his book or that that's something that definitely wrote I, well i won't make any references to mtv or anything like that <laughs> you, you, well, you, people who were in their 20s would not know what it is even though it was, <laughs> it was like revolutionary <laughs> huge when i was 10 years old um so yeah um so you said this was a story um the you the first draft was written over tears ago um what sort of has changed over the past 10 years 
in the story, or did you finally just find the right um, publisher for your book? The book? Yeah, the latter. Um, you know, I wrote the first draft very quickly within two or three weeks. And I'm fairly meticulous as a writer, um, which again, you know, I think goes back to my newspaper writing days where you just write and rewrite and rewrite until you get the story as crisp and polished as it can be. You're doing it on deadline, which is a little different, but um, I put that, I put that story through, I think three or four drafts. Um, But the core of the story never really changed. Um, The big, the end didn't change, you know, the character's arc didn't change. What changed was, you know, in the first draft, for me, every writer is different, but for me, like in the first draft, you just kind of try to figure out what the story is and you're almost kind of vomiting it onto the page. Um, so like first drafts are a lot of fun and they're usually the easiest to write because I don't put a big filter on it. You know, I'm not too critical of what I'm writing at the time. I'm just trying to kind of figure out what I want to say. It's the second draft and the third draft where you have to make tough choices about you know, characters that you're going to keep or cut or elements of the story that may be beautifully written, but you have to get rid of them because they don't fit. Um, You know, especially in horror, I believe that um, for the most part, they need to be kind of fast moving and the tension needs to build pretty quickly to kind of work up to a, a climax that is cathartic for the reader. Um, that said, there are a lot of great authors out there who have written some real great slow burn type of uh, horror novels as well. So, you know, just for me, I think um, I, I tend to try and keep the, the, the story moving as quickly as possible because readers today just will move on to something else uh, if they feel like something's dragging. Yeah, I think the slow burn is better for film. Um, yeah. We've talked about a couple of movies here on the on the podcast where they're just they just take a long time to build up, but then you get the payoff at the at the very end. And I feel that's great for film. For reading, I don't know if um, I might. I'm pretty sure I like some some of those books or stories that that have that same that same um, slow burn. But I really like stuff that gets going right away. Yeah, you know, one guy who uh, I mentioned him earlier, Dan Simmons, um, he writes some pretty good slow burn uh, novels like The Terror is a great book. And he wrote another book called Abominable. Uh, And he writes, I mean, he writes like big, thick books. Um, The payoff is usually pretty good in his books, um, which it has to be if you're going to write, you know, thousand page monstrosities. Um, I don't do that. Um, <laughs> the books that I've written have all, been, uh, I think the longest one I wrote was 600 pages. And of course it never saw the light of day. Um, but you know, most of the novellas I've written have been in that 90 to 120 page um, range. And then the the books that I've written have been in that 250 to three to 400 range. So and what I'm talk- always impressed is like a lot happens in those 90 to 100 mm-hmm. pages. It's not like, oh, nothing really happened. Like, a lot happened in Death Shoot. Yeah, I'm glad I, I'm glad you guys liked it. Um, I hope that's what I'm hearing. I, I had my first week <laughs> out yesterday, and it was really glowing. 
um, which made me really happy. Uh, you know, as a writer, you're always happy when something that you wrote resonated with someone, you know, um, I'd be, I'd be fine if you, know, you guys were like, listen, we just didn't like this book, you know, totally fine. <laughs> I'm, I, I have a, I have a pretty thick skin after 14 years as a newspaper reporter and having editors tear my writing to pieces. Um, but yeah, it sounds like you guys liked it. I, I'm curious, like what, what about the book did you like? I, I like I said, it's just so easy to read. And uh, I actually like the ghost that came out. Uh, I don't know. They, they're, I feel like they're scary, but not in the usual sense that they're scary. Uh-huh. Uh, just because a lot of things like when, when um, what's her name? Sophia, when she first encounters everything that's going on, it scares the crap out of her. And I feel like it's scary, but it's not really because something like horrible is happening to her or like threatening her. It's just like what's happening around her. That's scary. And I, I, I don't know. I just really enjoy that type of uh, ghost or, or um, that encounter, I guess is what it is. More atmospheric. There you go. Yeah. 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 I mean, I tried to oh, keep I- it fairly subtle. Um, I mean, I could have gone like the other way. Right. And had, it was a TV sanatorium. Right. And like, it was a really horrible <laughs> disease. Like people basically like choked to death on blood <laughs> in their lungs. And so I could have gone that way and there is some blood in it. Um, but you know, by and large, it's a fairly, um, it's not a gory story really. I don't think. Yeah. Well, even to the point where like the other uh, residents in in the um, in the place now, uh, they are they're already used to it, I guess. Uh, what we from where we hear from the first time they they uh, we I guess they encounter something going on with them, they're so used to it that they're just like we know it's going to happen at this time at this time every day. Or yeah, something. Um, I really enjoyed in this one, especially like the way you play with humor and scariness. Cause there was a lot of mm-hmm. times I was like, man, this is really funny. Like the way the Kalamazoo song keeps coming into play <laughs> is so funny. But then at the same time, like these residents with dementia are like seeing these ghosts and everyone's like, don't believe them. But then they see them and they're like, Oh crap, this is scary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, imagine being in that kind of situation, you know, I mean, I have a very active imagination. My wife makes fun of me for it all the time. Um, you know, I have bad dreams all the time, um, usually related to some riff off the exorcist or the conjuring or something like that. I, I have like this mortal fear of possession. Um, but, you know, I think the thing that scares people the most about ghosts and the supernatural is that you're helpless to do anything about it, really. And you're totally out of control. Um and uh, I just, you know, that was one of the things I tried to instill in the novel was that, you know, these people that are there in this rest home, they're by and large senior citizens. Um, we know that it, at least a few of them don't have much connection with their family. So they're isolated. They're already isolated physically because they're at the end of this 30 mile road in the mountains um, and nobody believes them. Right. I mean, how many times does someone who is elderly say something in, in, in our society today, they, you know, people our age or younger just kind of dismiss it. Um, Mm. like, Oh, that's just an old person who cares. Um, imagine being in a situation where everyone thinks you're crazy or your, uh, your mind doesn't work the way it used to. And they're dismissive of 
something that really is happening. And, you know, so that's kind of what I was trying to talk about a little bit there is, is just how scary that situation would be. One of the two biggest fears that I have is not anything that do with supernatural or anything. Cause I love horror and I love, and I love supernatural stuff and horror, but the stuff that actually scares me or, or I've been, have we said it in the, in the podcast many times, people, monsters, people who, who um, live right next to you and, and, they can just be these horrible, horrible people, and the the and I don't I've never talked about this in the in the podcast, but the fact that you might end up with dementia and seeing them, um, well, Sophie go through going through that and and him kind of like having having to deal with it with his mother, him already knowing that it that really strikes a chord with me because I because I really don't <laughs> hope that I don't have to go through that. Nor do I do I wish to have um, uh, a family member go through that. Yeah, I don't think anybody would. Um, I mean, my I, I worry about it uh, now that I'm older. You know, my mm. parents are not young anymore, and they live far away. So I do worry about you know them losing their health. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think Jake is an interesting character because he. He clearly loves his mom Mm -hmm. uh, and he wants to like take care of her and do the right thing, but he feels pressure too to live his own life. And, and uh, you know, if you read between the lines, his life has really been about him uh, for his whole life. You know, he lives out in Hollywood and he's not attached or married. Um, You know, uh, he usually dates women who are much younger than him because, Mm -hmm they won't challenge him and and they won't, you know, force him to be vulnerable, which is probably what scares guys the most. Um, And so there's this, like I said before, there's this tension between him, you know, being holding on to his youth and also growing up and doing the right thing and putting someone else before his own needs. Um, Like you were saying, so about like ghosts or something scary that we, you know, believe in or don't believe in, but like dementia is definitely like a real thing. Um, that is a big, uh, like real fear for a lot of people. And so I think um, another great thing about this novella is the way that you played off of a very real fear mm-hmm. and then like just a step further and like, you think that's scary. What if this happened too? On top of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On top of that, let's put another layer on that. So Ambrose, so, uh, we already talked that it's going to come out uh, that the Desher is going to be out on April 9th. Where can people find this to um, either order it or, or um, is it a physical copy? Is it a digital copy? Yeah. So it'll be in three formats, just like old hollow was. Uh, so it'll be in paperback and ebook format, and there'll be an audio book. Um, not too long after the other two editions come out. Um, we've got a great guy, uh, uh, the, in fact, the same guy who did the audio uh, version of Old Hollow is back to do the death shoot because I just loved his voice uh, and the way he told the story uh, the last time around. His name is Tom, Thomas Deckard Qua. He's a very talented voice actor. Uh, he's got a great voice, too. Um, you know what's funny is you guys mentioned um, the song I've Got a Gal in Kalamazoo. Um, I had no idea 
what that song actually sounded like. I was at the time I was writing this book, I was just trying to capture elements of the time when the initial incident that causes the haunting takes place to put them into the story. And so music is like a big thing in this book. You, you know, there's mm -hmm. um, references to old movies and from the thirties and the forties. And uh, I've got a gal in Kalamazoo was a very famous song back during that era. And so I, um, I was listening to an early draft of the audiobook, and um, Thomas just starts like singing. I've got a gal in Kalamazoo. And I was like, a, I had no idea what this song really sounded like. And B, this guy's got an awesome singing voice. I was like wondering if he, you know, plays, you know, guitar in pubs or something like that, or, you know, has like a side gig doing music because he, he's just got a fantastic voice. I can't wait to hear the audio version of it. He's, he did a great job with Old Hollow and capturing like that kind of Southern um, lilt uh, that a lot of the characters had and, um, you know, he's got kind of a very deliberate pacing too, which I think is great for an atmospheric book like the death shoot, um, to answer your question, it'll be available uh, on Amazon and Goodreads and a bunch of other places. Um, the Aurelia Leo, uh, website, you know, uh, we'll have it as well. You can order it there. Um, I have an author page on Amazon where you can find my other books. Uh, I'm really excited for it to come out. Um, I really think that uh, Olivia and, and Aurelia Leo did a great job uh, laying the book out. It looks nice. I think the cover looks fantastic. Um, so I'm I'm just curious how it's going to be received by uh, not just by reviewers, but by the audience at large. I, I hope that it um, it resonates with them. I love the cover that uh, I don't know if the, it looks like there's going to be more of a bluish uh, hue on the on the cover from the Twitter um images sent yeah. out but the one that that was on the um on the pdf <laughs> that we read um i made a little mock-up of what what the cover uh, for this episode is going to look like and it looks awesome just to, just to, to let you know uh yeah i think that's an internal i think that image will be uh inside the book uh um, oh, okay okay like to to uh to kind of kick off the book before the the story actually starts but yeah the cover is what's on uh, my twitter feed and my facebook page um i'm happy to send you you know any images you need for promoting it um it uh yeah i, I just think that they they did a great job with it yeah well i'll make sure to go ahead and insert all any uh, links and anything that we need to go ahead and put on in the description of this episode to make sure that people can find it uh whether it be the digital copy, the physical copy, or and um, when you when the audible uh, audible or the audiobook version of it, I don't know if it's going to be an audible, but if the audiobook version of it um, is out, uh, let me know and I'll go ahead and make sure to put it in the description as well. Definitely. Uh, any last um, any last words or anything like that that we want to make sure we um, talk about or anything like that? Anything we might have missed? Out of curiosity. Earthquakes. What was up with the earthquakes? That was something I forgot that I wanted to talk about was the earthquakes. Like that comes into play a lot. Yeah. So I, you know, the way, I think the way to interpret the earthquakes is that it's um, they're connected. The, the earthquakes are connected to the, um, the pent up, uh, you know, rage that these spirits have um, over the injustice that was done to them when they were alive. Um, and like energy, something like that. 
yeah, you know, kind of psychic energy that builds up over time and, um, you know, uh, they tear the place apart. But, hey, you know, guys, I really appreciate you taking the time to read the book and um, I'm glad you liked it. Um, and uh, thanks for having me on. It's always great to talk to you guys. Um, thank you so much. I, I just I love talking about horror and talking about writing. You guys ask really great questions. So, you know, thanks again. Well, it's our pleasure, and we want to make sure that anything else you come out um, in the next months, years, whatever, you just let us know. We'll be more than happy to read it, and um, we'll be more than happy to have you back on to talk about it. Great. Great. Yeah, All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. And, uh, yeah, learn a lot about writing from you, and uh, love reading your writing. Thank you. Thank you so much. That just means so much to me. I'll uh, thank you very much, Prince, again, Ambrose, for, for joining us. And I want to thank everybody for joining us here on Learn From The Crypt. Remember, you guys can go ahead and get some merch from um, the T Public um, merch uh, website, that I'll, and I'll go ahead and make sure I put that in there. A uh, new T-shirt with a new logo. And uh, I do have new uh, buttons and stickers that are available for anybody who goes out there and, and leaves a, a review on iTunes. Just make sure to go ahead and just um, screenshot it, send it over to my way, and we'll get you uh, uh, stickers and buttons uh, for for doing that. No 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 cost uh, other than that, and uh, share the podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're at, wherever you listen to your podcast, and uh, share it to your friends. And um, if you are an indie creator who wants to go ahead and talk about your product, or whether whether it be a, a novel, a book, uh, I mean novel or comic book. Uh, anything um, we had, we had um, Lyndon White on here talking about his content. I'll say accordion books. I still can't say that the name of that properly. Um, but anything that you guys want to talk about, just shoot us an email. We'll be more than happy to have you on the show and talk about it. And um, we'll see you guys next time here on Nerd. You better to be afraid. Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt Podcast.